2014 grand opening of the Jockey Hollow Bar and Kitchen was packed with people. They came to celebrate the vision of New York restaurateur Chris Cannon, who transformed a neglected Morristown landmark into one of New Jersey's classiest dining destinations. But the pandemic has taken a huge bite out of his business, and Cannon has closed the doors. For how long, we're about to find out. Hi, I'm Kevin Coughlin for MorristownGreen.com. Today's episode of the Morristown Green podcast is brought to you by Morristown Medical Center, ranked New Jersey's best hospital for three straight years. Chris Cannon made his name as a partner in some of New York's finest restaurants. The Morris County resident then worked his magic in Morristown on a century-old Italian Renaissance mansion. In a nod to local history, he renamed it Jockey Hollow, where George Washington's troops endured the hardest winter of the Revolution. Can Chris Cannon's Jockey Hollow survive the COVID winter? So Chris Cannon, thanks very much for being with us today. My pleasure. So uh, as we speak, it's November the 19th, 2020. Uh, When did you have to uh, close the Jockey Hollow Bar and Kitchen? Well, we closed yesterday. Uh, We made the decision uh, probably Tuesday last week or Wednesday. Um, Just, uh, you know, we were very in tune with uh, how business is, the flow of business is. And we were seeing that, uh, you know, maybe uh, four weeks ago we were averaging – you know, over 70% of last year's sales being open outside and, you know, 25% open inside. Um, we did realize all summer that um, 80 to 90% of our demand was for outside tables. And uh, there was a lot of reticence uh, for people eating indoors. And uh, as we saw the weather changing, um, basically starting four weeks ago, there was one bad, bad week uh, where it was raining all week. It was in the 40s. And our business went, you know, basically cut in half that week. And we started realizing that if, you know, we said this three months ago, that if the governor didn't increase our indoors to 50%, that, uh, and, you know, the coronavirus didn't, you know, re, uh, you know, the, didn't blow up again, that we would probably have to uh, take serious measures, probably shut down for a few months. Um, because, you know, at, at this rate, you know, when you're, at 75% or 70% of last year's sales, you know, you can function fine. You pay your bills, do whatever, pay your staff. Uh, once you start getting to 40, 30% range, it basically you're losing ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a week. And, uh, you know, we're not in a position after having endured the last shutdown and, uh, you know, being at 77, you know, less, probably average 50% of our sales from last year from when we restarted till now. Uh, we're not in a position to lose that much money. So, so you have a, a very nice patio area outside that's uh, enclosed, partially enclosed, right. uh, even with that and, and with heaters. Now it's starting to regularly get down into the 40s and third, upper 30s. And people, you know, it's just not, it's not viable. I mean, in the summertime, we're probably doing two, two full turns out there, two and a half turns. Now, you know, you, you're lucky to get one. And, you know, frankly, the wait staff doesn't make any money. You know, it's uh, we have to carry two bunch of uh, 
of a payroll with the kitchen, et cetera, that, you know, we're, we're, we're watching what's happening over the last four weeks. And we're projecting that, you know, once it starts getting really cold out with snow, et cetera, raining, you know, no one's going to sit outside. And we came to realize over the last few weeks that uh, as, you know, the press and everybody starts really putting out there that it's really dangerous to eat inside, you know, people aren't, aren't dining inside. So, you know, when you're going from in a three-week period, you're, you're basically your sales are cut in half. You have to make intelligent decisions. So, you know, we'll continue to um, – We've been selling wine. You know, we we had retail wine sales are are, are allowed right now, so we'll continue uh, selling wine right now. We um, uh, do a lot of um, we've been doing a lot of uh, virtual wine tastings. You know, I've got in the next two days, I've got three virtual wine tastings. You know, one for 110 people, and then a couple of others for like 30 people. So how does that work? Do, do people order the wine from you and then you go online? You know, some of them are fundraisers. Some of them are just like, you know, for big, a corporate thing, you know, just for, you know, team building kind of thing. And they'll get, reach in touch with me. Like I had one a few weeks ago for a law firm where they said, listen, it's for Columbus Day. We want it to be all Italian wines. And, you know, I pick out three wines. We uh, distribute it. Either they distribute themselves, they come pick it up and they distribute themselves. Or some people have asked us to distribute it to individually people. And then, you know, we sit down for an hour, an hour and a half, and uh, I discuss why I picked the wines, what the wines are about, how well they go with food or not. Sometimes we actually provide some food for them if they want to do that as well. And, uh, you know, basically do a question and answer afterwards for, you know, half an hour. And people ask me questions about, you know, what do I see in terms of uh, trends in the wine business? What, what do you think about these kind of wines? Can you give us some tips on some other really great values around the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And, it, you know, after an hour and a half, everyone's uh, kind of a little tipsy, having a good time. And, you know, they learn a bunch about wines. I try to select wines that are reasonably priced and that are uh, stuff that people would not normally know about, you know. And uh, people ask me all the time, like, oh, how do you find all these really, you know, great and expensive wines? I said, well, you know, they come from areas where – you know, they, they've been making wine for a thousand years. And now with, you know, modern wine technology, they're making really great wine now. And uh, people don't know about it. So, you know, if they don't know about it. There's not a lot of demand. If there's not a lot of demand, the prices are reasonable. But the quality is there. And that's my job is to find the, you know, the quality. That's a good sideline. Uh, but h- how many staff people do you have at the restaurant? H- how big a staff do you have? About 65 people. But, you know, it's not, it, it's not doable. We can't pay them. I mean, especially, you know, you can, it doesn't matter about the kitchen. The kitchen's one thing, but the wait staff, if there's no customers coming in, they're not making tips. They're not, you know, yeah. they're not making any money and it just doesn't function. They have to go on uh, unemployment right now then? We're on unemployment. You know, we anticipate that, uh, you know, it's, it's there's been a big delay with the, the uh, current administration, but, you know, we know that there's a uh, another stimulus package in the works and, you know, in the short term, uh, I think they'll be targeting, um, you know, unemployment and uh, giving another, you know, bonus or a single bonus of twelve hundred dollars or the six hundred dollar week. Yeah, were you able to get any of the uh, the CARES Act money or any other uh, New Jersey programs to help? The first round, we did. Yeah, we got we got a significant amount of money, but you know that that was just uh, basically you know when when the CARES Act first was uh, enacted, we were supposed to spend that money in an eight week period. Uh, and then five weeks into it, they, they changed it to a 24 week period because the eight week period was absurd to try to spend the money we were getting, you know, for staff when we were hardly even open, you know, it, it, listen, they did their best job to try to roll out some, some help for the economy. They did a pretty good job. 
there were some flaws with it. And I think that uh, with the incoming administration, I think they'll administer it better. So your your hope is to reopen when? No, we are going to reopen eventually. Um, there's no hope about it, I don't think. We we anticipate, uh, you know, there's going to be a shutdown coming within the next month, two weeks to a month, I would say. The uh, number of the, the transmission rates going through the roof. Uh, and they're slowly strangling the restaurant business. You know, they put in a uh, 10 o'clock curfew. You know, you know, you're not allowed to sit at the bar. We're only at 25 percent. Outdoors is becoming untenable. And uh, so it's only a matter of time. I would anticipate that uh, they, they'll probably start uh, reopening things in March, I would say. You know, I also believe that the administration in uh, New Jersey and Trenton is looking at uh, Christmas parties and, uh, you know, even with Thanksgiving, they're telling everyone not to, you know, go out for Thanksgiving, not to visit anybody, not to invite their parents over, et cetera, et cetera. I think they're looking at the holiday season with the same trepidation. And I think they're going to shut down, you know, pretty soon because it's just not, not, not working out. I mean, even for restaurants, it's just untenable economically. Will your um, in- investors cut you some slack? Will, will the town cut you some slack? You know, landlord, everybody has been very, very... Um, you know, everyone knows that we're all in the same boat. We all need to to work together to support each other. To uh, and you know, Morristown's been fantastic. I mean, during the summer, honestly, our um, the demand we had from the you know the town and everybody around was more than we've ever had. You know, we're really considering how little space we had open. It's been very uh, heartening to see how much support there is for the restaurant. You know, by shutting down now and 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 fe- featuring wine sales, and we're also going to be doing some small like 10 person, you know, small private events at the restaurant or in people's homes. You know, we believe that we can uh, make enough revenue that we'll pay down all of our purveyors. uh, And hopefully, you know, by March, we'll be in a position where we have really no outstanding uh, debts to our purveyors and we can reopen with a clean slate. And, uh, you know, our staff is very, you know, they're gung ho to reopen. Uh, We are too. Uh, I am for sure. And it's just a matter of time. Will you be able to retain some of your top people over this period? They're all committed already. They're they're ready to go. You know, they they know what's going on. You know, they know. Listen, there's there's no other place they're going to go to get a job right now. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's a matter of just like, okay, you know, sit, sit at home and uh, keep your uh, spending limited, and uh, you know, spend a lot of time uh, reading books and watching Netflix and <laughs> listening to music and. You know, going uh, maybe for hikes in the woods and, you know, eventually you get through it. But, you know, at least this time we believe that um, with the vaccine coming out in, you know, hopefully, you know, in massive quantities in April, that we're going to go into a really great spring season and, uh, you know, fantastic summer season. You know, I was joking around with people that said, you know, once we get the vaccine and we reopen, it's going to kind of be like the end of World War II and everyone's going to be kissing each other, getting drunk, having a good time and, you know, it's been a rough year for, for everybody in the United States. And I think uh, people have to, you know, stick together, understand uh, responsibility. We really were serious about all of our protocols during this period. We didn't have one single case on our staff, which was, uh, you know, w- one of our goals. We were really strict about if anybody's significant other even had a cold or had a fever or anything that that staff member had to stay home for at least five days and make sure that their significant other and them, they got uh, tested and got a clean test. And then they came back. And to us, it's really important that we protected our staff. 
that we protected the general public. And, you know, going over the last, you know, six months, we didn't have one single case. Uh, you know, we really did a great job with that. And I'm really proud of uh, what we did and how much we took care of everybody. You're listening to the Morristown Green Podcast. We'll be right back. And now, news from Atlantic Health. Morristown Medical Center, named the number one hospital in New Jersey for the third year in a row by U.S. News and World Report. Morristown Medical Center is also nationally recognized for leadership in cardiology and heart surgery, as well as orthopedics and gynecology. We're here for you with enhanced safety measures in place, so don't delay care. Morristown Medical Center, part of Atlantic Health System. Visit AtlanticHealth.org slash Best Hospital. Our guest is restaurateur Chris Cannon of the Jockey Hollow Bar and Kitchen in Morristown. You mentioned you're hoping for the, the post-World War II kind of effect where people come out. I, in speaking with some of my friends in the entertainment world, they're really, really nervous about how they're going to get people to come back into their theaters for musical events and so on. Uh, how, how will you get people back in? Once there's a widespread vaccine, you know, and the, the two vaccines that are out are 90 and 94.5%, um, you know, effective. I think that uh, within a month or two, and if, you know, once people take them, it'll be, uh, you know, you'll pro- still, have, still probably have to wear a mask, you know, like you were doing for a period of time. Right now, people are really afraid to dine in. You know, they really believe basically anybody over 40 is very scared to, to go out and get sick and possibly die from this. So, and I, you know, I appreciate that. I think they're right. You know, it's, it's a tough job to be the governor of New Jersey right now, and everyone hates you. But I think that uh, Governor Murphy's doing a great job. I think he's been very prudent in everything he's done. And, you know, I know for business it stinks, but if you just, uh, you know, left it all open and let everyone do whatever they wanted to, there'd be, uh, you know, what we have, 16,000 deaths in New Jersey, there'd be like 50,000 deaths in New Jersey. And that's that's not something that's ac- acceptable, I think, as a citizen to to accept that. What percentage of your clientele would you say is above the age of 40? Oh, significant. <laughs> you know, these days I'd say probably 60, you know. I mean, something like that, 50 to 60 at least. Those are the people that, uh, you know, at a fine dining restaurant, they, they're the ones that spend money. For us, I mean, we don't even have bar service. So you really can't cater very much to a younger crowd without a bar service. And it's, it's you know, it's a tough, tough situation to be in. And we look at it, it's, it's a three-month period, three and a half you know, that, uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult and, you know, but we'll get through it. You're not really set up, are you, to do a kind of a takeout business or, or are you? Yeah, you know, it, it, the problem with takeout business is the, the amount of volume that we can do basically with the amount of labor that we need to do it, it doesn't doesn't really work. What we're doing now is trying to limit labor as much as possible and uh, generate the revenue, you know, that we need to pay the bills, pay, you know, insurance, pay the utilities, you know, pay taxes, do all those things that are, you know, things that people don't think about in terms of when you own a restaurant. But those are the significant costs, you know, base costs that we have to pay. Plus, you know, we do have, uh, you know, payables out to our vendors that we, you know, we it's important for us to support them and make sure that they stay in business. It's about social responsibility and, 
you know, frankly, the last round of unemployment with the bonuses, the staff made uh, you know virtually as much money as they were. Ma- Some of them were making more money than when they were working. I hate to rely on the government, but there really is not an option. I mean, you, you could try to stay open and lose $20,000 a week and then not pay your vendors and, you know, go out of business completely because you're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt after three months. Or you can make an intelligent business decision and uh, set yourself up for success uh, three months down the road. I don't think many people realize also the the ripple effect from this. I know you were very active, I've always been active in supporting our local charities, uh, Nourish New Jersey, the which is the former community soup kitchen. I'm still doing like these um, wine tastings, of, like half of them are, are for fundraising events. I managed to find really great wine and charge them a reasonable price. And they turn around and, you know, sell it to their uh, their people and make a significant amount of money off it. And that goes to charity, which is, you know, one of the most important things to me is to support that. Um, to support the the purveyors that you know, sir, they they need us, you know, the wine industry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You you've used local farms too, right? Yeah, we use local farms. We use everything, you know. So you know, we will continue to try to do some small events, small dinners, catering in people's homes for up to like ten people or so, because you know we you know basically now there's a ten person maximum anyway you know, for for a private event in any in a restaurant or in someone's home, really uh, legally. Until they decide that they're going to shut down everything, so basically we're going to try to do as best we can to you know keep keep the economic engine going. I mean, listen, if you were to basically continue operating the way we're operating right now, you know, within a few months we would be significantly in a deeper hole than you know all of us have been for the last bunch of months, and it would make it even more difficult for us to uh, get the business up and running again and and uh, drive the economy going forward. For those who have never been to Jockey Hollow, explain to them, I mean, this is a very unique, a very unique setting. It's a beautiful place. You you put a lot of work into it. Tell people what it is. You know, you've got three different restaurants there. Just give a quick walkthrough. Well, in the summer, we have an extra dining area. So we have like five dining areas. We have a rat skeller in the basement, which is a kind of a German beer garden kind of concept. You know, where it's a little more casual, there are two big TVs down there, a bar. You know, it's a lot of fun down there. It's much more of a young crowd. We have the Vale Bar, which is our, you know, cocktail bar, really excellent cocktail program. Everything done fresh, every juice squeezed fresh. You know, we use uh, egg whites to make, you know, sours and stuff. And, you know, they cut the ice by hand. It's it's serious place. We have an oyster bar in the front, which is... The same menu basically is the Vale Bar. You know, we feature. Uh, I'm an I'm a partner in the Oyster Farm in, in Manaloking, uh, Forty North. You know, we feature you know three or four or five oysters every day. We serve more oysters than anyone around here, I think. And so our oysters are always really beautifully fresh and delicious. Great shellfish, really great farm to table kind of food. Uh, AJ Capella, our chef, is phenomenal. Young guy, he was a rising star chef in New Jersey like four years ago, and he is one of the young guns of New Jersey that are Jersey born, Jersey grown, and really, really are talented, uh, ambitious, you know, really supportive of everything local. And then we have the fine dining upstairs, which is, you know, basically very similar to the downstairs, but, you know, we add a couple of, you know, prefix options where you can have a tasting menu if you want and really have a serious dinner with serious wines, you know, multi-course thing. And the setting, the setting is spectacular. Oh, the, the, the building is spectacular. I mean, it was built in the 
between 1916 and 1918 by Theodore Vail, who was the president of AT&T and a very uh, important family in Morristown. Uh, his uncle created the uh, telegraph, and um, Theodore Vale was very instrumental in creating the telephone and the long-distance monopoly of AT&T. He basically built the uh, mansion to be a mini-museum to showcase uh, some of the inventions of his family and art. He was a big art collector. He never moved in uh, because his wife died in 1917, and uh, so it was remained empty until it was sold to Morristown in 1921, and it became City Hall for 70 years. It was empty for about 15 years before we uh, got involved with it, and uh, we've been running it for the last seven years. I was there with you when you were putting this together, and I think at the time you mentioned, I think you're pouring something like five five million dollars i mean this was a major big project i mean it's a you know any time anybody who has ever ever tried to renovate an old house <laughs> they know that you know you start out and you're like oh we're gonna spend this much money and then you find all sorts of issues and problems and difficulties and whatever it ended up being you know but but to me it's uh, was really important it was a uh, in the center of town it, at one point it was you know fenced in and had the graffiti all over it and the minute I saw it, I just envisioned a beautiful restaurant there. And, uh, you know, over the last uh, six, seven years, you know, I think we've become uh, at the heart of Morristown and, you know, try to be a really uh, important part of the community, give back to the community and provides people with, uh, you know, something really beautiful they can go to and, uh, you know, let their hair down, have a couple of drinks, a couple of oysters and nice dinner if they want. And we try to be, you know, try to cater to pretty much everybody's needs to a certain degree. So people who are uh, foodies know your reputation that, uh, you know, you were a partner in some really big New York restaurants, Alto, Convivio, Lampero, to name a few. Uh, but this one, uh, this one was really your baby from the start. This one is all you. When, and you told me in the beginning that you said, quote, conviviality is the most important thing to me. And I think if there was one word I would use to describe you, it would be convivial. You, you really seem to like being around people and giving them a good time. So I want to ask, what is it like for you having to to close your doors to the public? I mean, of course, on an emotional level, you're like, oh, God, you know, I'm going to have to go back in the basement and smoke cigars and, and hand out wine. <laughs> um, no, because, I mean, the magic of the restaurant is, you know, People in the restaurant business were kind of in the theater business, and we love, uh, you know, the the energy of a live audience and hearing that buzz in the restaurant when people are just having a great time and it, it, there's an energy there that's amazing. And yeah, it, it's it's to me, it's sad that we have to you know close down for a few months, but you know, we really believe you know Morristown is going through a real renaissance. Uh, we believe that uh, you know once we get past this crisis, this this disease that. Uh, there's going to be a huge amount of pent-up demand. People want to get out. People love the same thing I love, which is that buzz in the air in a restaurant, watching people laugh, you know, just people watching, you know, seeing a couple in the corner kissing and then, you know, some guy getting drunk at the bar and, you know, all that stuff. And it, it'll be back. It'll be back next spring, you know, so it's not a, it's not a long time. It's, it's, it's going it's, to – we're going to be back and it's going to be better than ever. So, you know, that's, that's my feeling. Well, we're all looking forward to that, Chris Cannon, and we wish you the very best of luck and hope to see you open again before too long. Listen, if you need any wine, just, uh, you know, we, we're sending out uh, Facebook posts and emails all the time about offerings we're doing. So, you know, that or you could just 
you know, send an email to info at jockeyhallibarandkitchen.com and tell me what kind of wine you're looking for, and uh, we'll get it for you at a great price. That sounds great. Chris, thanks so much for being our guest. No problem. Pleasure. Today's episode of the Morristown Green Podcast was brought to you by Morristown Medical Center, ranked New Jersey's best hospital three years in a row. The bagpipe selections were performed in 2014 by the Newark Firefighters Pipe Band and the Emerald Police and Fire Pipe Band Society. The jazz was courtesy of Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. For MorristownGreen.com, this is Kevin Coughlin. Thanks for listening.